And another week has gone by. Welcome to Swain Thoughts, the uh, mental performance esoteric golf nerd show uh, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. We'll get into that in a second. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, golf spiritual leader, along with my dear friend, my dear, dear friend, Timothy O'Connor, mental performance coach, coach of the Guelph Griffins. And, uh, you know, webinars and books and things. It's really quite intimidating. We got balloon animals. <laughs> you always forget that one. He's, uh, he does, he does, he done it all, people. And, uh, great to be with you on TSN 1150. And as always, our podcast audience, we certainly appreciate you. Taylor made performance labs are, uh, gonna be open soon in Woodbridge and in Oakville. Visit TaylorMadeFitting.ca to book the ultimate fitting experience. Uh, Tim and I have both been lucky enough to have been fit by uh, some very fine people there. And, you know, if you, it's one of those things people will always say like, oh, I don't, I don't really think I'm good enough to have fitted clubs. And, and I'm always saying, well, it doesn't matter what your handicap is. Make sure that whatever you're holding on to says TaylorMade. And it's been fitted for you because it will make some kind of difference because you'll at least be confident knowing that all the clubs are as they should be and they're all appropriate for you. Absolutely. I, if I didn't get fitted at my age of 63, I'd probably be still using stiff shafts, much to my detriment. Yeah. Because a couple of years ago, I switched to regular. I mean, I thought the next thing was... Um, Incontinence and dentures, but <laughs> that's it's, right. It's been fine. It's been a transition. It was it was traumatic at first, but I got over it. So it goes uh, stiff, regular, senior, and then after that, it just says give up. Don't swing so hard. Exactly. Just be happy with knocking it seventy five <laughs> yards straight down the middle, though. That's 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 what those old guys do. Straight down the middle. That's right. The shaft should just say you're doing fine. You're just doing. Hey. You're just doing what you can. Uh, that's very funny. Uh, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. And, of course, you can find out all things Humble and Fred at HumbleAndFredRadio.com. Our guest today is uh, the president of something called Mindful Sports Group. How, how appropriate is that? A, uh, prof- he, they represent professional golfers and sports tech they're a sports tech consulting company uh, working with all kinds of players on the European Tour, the Challenge Tour. And today we find our guest, Joe Shuchat, in a uh, hotel room in the States getting ready for the PGA Tour caddying for Victor Perez. Good morning and welcome to the show, Joe. Good morning. Great. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to chatting about a lot of great topics today. Well, maybe we can yeah. start with that, Joe. How does a, how does one find you from mindfulness, sports development, a caddying for one of your players? So, um, I mean, I, I Victor's main caddy is is a fellow by the name of J.P. Fitzgerald, who many would know him. He caddied for uh, Rory McIlroy for for a number of years, and, and they won four majors together. And um, J.P. you know felt that. You, traveling from he lives in Dubai, so traveling from Dubai to to kind of come all the way over, it wasn't something he was ready to do. And and with Victor being in the top fifty in the world, had JP kind of come over at this point, he probably would have been here for 
four, five, six months just based on on the way the world rankings work and and Victor playing a lot a lot of PGA Tour events over the next few months. So, um, you know, like a you know like a backup goalie, I'm I'm ready to go. And uh, you know, I've done it for him a couple times on the on the Challenge Tour. I've done it for him on the European Tour. I caddied for him in the Scottish Open last year uh, before JP started and. Um, we just kind of felt like this was a, a great opportunity for us to, you know, get back at it and, and have some fun the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, backup caddy reminds me of a certain backup goalie who was also a Zamboni driver. Yeah, but, that's right. Uh, Joe, it's interesting how you and I reconnected. Um, your name popped up on uh, on LinkedIn, and I went, I think I know this guy from somewhere. And, and so we hopped on a call, and turns out uh, we both – worked with core golf academy a junior golf academy that was it's a formerly unfortunately in orlando where sean foley uh got his kind of start in the u.s and uh but you've really made an interesting uh transition from from there into being uh an agency so can you kind of describe to us how you made that transition to a an agency that also has elements of mindfulness worked into it yeah, I think so. So, you know, going back to kind of the core story is, is really where it started was that um, when I graduated from university, I had I had spent some time caddying on the web.com tour and um, really found that there was certain tools and certain skill sets that were available to, you know, the best players in the world and, and you know, really wanted to try and take some of the tools and some of the skills that those players had and, and try and give them to the general masses and uh, what I what I did was I had started a company called Winning Identity um, with the intent it was a, it was a software company and the intent was to kind of track any and everything that a golfer would do. So looking at things like swing analysis, practice planning, workout planning, statistical tracking, uh, and obviously a major component of that was was mental conditioning or or you know the the, the mental side of the game and wanted to create a variety of tools that were available to guys at higher levels and and help golfers of you know all levels really get better and and the junior golf academy market was kind of the perfect market to kind of start with and and that's really where i met tom jackson who was the the founder of core golf academy and kind of shared with him what i wanted to do from a from a software perspective and and got my start with with core and and from there we ended up getting a number of different academies to use the software program and ended up partnering with with um, Golf Channel and and Golf Now and Under Armour and IBM Watson and had a number of cool tools and ended up going through that process to getting acquired in 2016 by a company in, in California called Blast Motion. Um, and I, you know, we integrated the program into into what Blast was doing and and decided that at that point it wasn't it wasn't for me and I wanted to go down a different path and. Um, took some time off and, and really did some soul searching and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and always loved golf and realized that I had a passion for very high level golf. I really wanted to get involved with, um, you know, whether it be the best players in the world or, or players that I felt had the ability to be the best in the world and really did a lot of work, you know, util- utilizing tools like meditation and, and you know, talking to, to different therapists and, and really just coming up with different ways um, as I felt that the, the major difference between a very good player 
and an all-world player was their mental outlook. It wasn't, It at no point is the player who's ranked 500th in the world, do they not have a skill that the number five player in the world or the number one player in the world has? It was, it was the way that the top, top players in the world thought about the game. They have an element of belief in their ability, an element of belief in the people that are around them that when they step on the golf course, their ability to execute is not impeded by their thinking. And was fortunate, I was very fortunate in the way that things had went, where I got introduced to, to Victor Perez, who at the time was ranked, I want to say, 375th in the world. He had won on the Challenge Tour. So at that point, I had known that, that Victor as a player had... Um, you know, the ability to win on the challenge tour, I, I feel that if you can win on a major professional tour, you have the ability to do it at the highest level. Um, but also saw there were little things where he could get better. And and again, most of it was upstairs, so to speak, and put a few things in place to, to help him, um, you know, excel. Um, introduced him to to a, a mental performance coach out of out of San Antonio named Deborah Graham, um, who I would say they started working together um, in in you know mid mid 20, 2018, uh, June twenty eighteen ish, um, and from there he he just kind of started to gain belief and trust in his ability and and learn new skills in terms of you know, getting a championship mindset that has obviously allowed him, you know, he, he went from 376, the end of the 2018 season, he finished the year a hundred and call it 130th for that matter. Um, and, you know, continued to excel, continued to add the right people to his, to his team, you know, getting JP on the bag. Um, you know, at that point, I think their fourth event, they won. Uh, and there were mental skills that JP gave him, you know, that, that you don't realize a caddy can have that sort of an impact in terms of the way that you approach the game from a, from a strategic perspective um, and just your ability to believe in yourself. And then having somebody that had been there before, giving him kind of the tool set, um, you know, to believe that he could play aggressively and, and make more birdies and, and eventually won the, the Dunhill Lynx trophy last year. Um, and then came fourth in the WGC, lost in a playoff the next week in Turkey, and um, finished the year inside the top 50, the, you know, the ever-important top 50 in the world ranking, um, which got him into all the majors this year, and obviously it's been a, a, a hyper-unique year. Um, but I think that, you know, having, you know, the year being the way that it's been, him having the right people around him has definitely helped him, you know, have the right perspective to, to, you know, flourish when we get back to it next week and beyond. Well, I'll just say one thing, Joe, of all the guests that we've had, uh, that opening essay might be one of the best. We'll just stop right there. Thanks for coming on the show, Joe. That's all we need from you. Exactly. That covered Um, the bases so perfectly. Well, I mean, there's so much. I saw Tim feverishly writing things down. Uh, I was listening, Joe. Um, No, I'm just kidding, Timmy. Um, What I wanted to say. (laughs) both. What I wanted to say starting, I mean, Tim and I have spent four years uh, doing a podcast that basically you just summed up in five or six minutes because a lot of times, and in, in business they call these the soft skills, but it's the soft skills that take somebody from 350 to 50 because as you say, 
you know, all those guys can hit any kind of shots that they want. So why, why does Tiger and Rory and those people excel? I remember once uh, Tiger had hit a shot on television and the announcer said, oh, that's the kind of shot that only Tiger Woods can hit. And I said, no, that's not true. Well, they can all hit that shot. Only Tiger Woods tries to hit it in the U.S. Right. Open versus the other guys trying to hit it in a practice round. Right, and believes he can execute on it. I think that's the that's the element. I think that, you know, I've played with many, many great players. Um, I, you know, some of the guys that I would consider to be the most talented players, the guys that if I put them on a driving range, you would have no idea how this guy is not on television week in and week out. Yeah. But they just struggle in areas that you can't measure. I think that's the element of of golf is that the areas where you can gain the most are areas where you can't really measure it. You know, when you when you go and speak to, you know, a, a sports psychologist or, or a mental conditioning coach, there's no way to really measure um, necessarily. I mean, yeah, there's tools you can use. You can use different tools, you know, focus band or, or things like that that you can put on your brain and, and track different brain waves and things like that. But it's very hard to measure that when you're actually standing over the ball, the thought pattern that you have when you executed your best shot ever is completely different from when you, you know, shanked it into the woods for that matter. And there's no direct measurement. And I think that's where, you know, this this niche area of the game is is everything. I think, you know, listen, I can I can swing a club, I can play good golf, I'm a single digit handicap, but you know, I'll be the first one to stand here and say that when I hit a bad shot, it has nothing to do with my ability. It's that I, you know, I was concerned with this mm-hmm. i had doubts around that and and that's where the bad shot stems from it doesn't stem from i have the wrong driver the shaft in my irons are off <laughs> you know it, it it has nothing to do with that and and i'm sure you know that, that the major manufacturing companies would would hate me for saying it and it, it is what it is but you know if if you think the right way typically things go your way you know the power of positive thinking works tremendously and i'm i'm a testament to that so, Joe, it's, what you've been talking about has been known since, you know, Tim Galway in the 1970s. You had Chuck Hogan, 80s, Bob Rotella talking. And, and Rotella, a lot of guys went to him. So it would appear to be fairly common sense that dealing with the six inches between your ears would be the way to elevate and take that skill level to where you can win. Do you think, though, that there's resistance still, particularly in the male world of golf, to open themselves up to appearing weak or a combination also that this is something that's not as measurable as other pieces of data? Why do you think still in many ways golfers are slow to embrace the mental part of performance? I think I think there's a couple of reasons. I, first off, I think we've made – we've made giant strides in this area in terms of having people accept that this is an area where they can work. So, you know, where we were 10 years ago, even to when I was working at core and things like that, I think, I think people are more open to examining those areas. I think that when you look at it, I think if you look back to, let's just use Tiger Woods um, as the example, when you look at Tiger Woods and you look at Tiger Woods growing up in, in 1997, Tiger Woods had a golf coach. So people were open to working with a swing coach, you know, in in those sorts of areas where, you know, Tiger had 
different people work with him on different areas of the mental side of the game, but it was never publicized. It never was put on TV. You know, Jay Brunza was never put on on Golf Channel talking about hypnotism and, and different techniques like that. So I think part of it is that it, it hasn't been accepted in the, in the major mainstream teaching model. You know, like if you if you flip open Golf Digest, for example, which, you know, was you know, if you think about when you went to the doctor 10 years ago, that was the thing you picked up and you read it while you were in the waiting room. There were never articles on, you know, the way that Tiger Woods improved his mental outlook or, you know, Phil Mickelson, for example, I, you know, is, is, is another example of it where Phil didn't win a major for a number of years. And for a number of years, Phil Mickelson was the greatest player to have never won a major. I remember that was always a storyline as I was a kid. Well, it wasn't until Phil Mickelson put people on his team that helped him with the mental outlook. He was obviously, there was an element of too much pressure on himself, you know, a thinking problem. I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know Phil personally or anything like that, but it wasn't until he put the people around him uh, until he had that success. So I just think that, you know, the, the stigma around asking for help mentally is, is still there. I think insecurity prevents people from opening up their minds to accepting new techniques and, and new ways of doing things. I would say that the success that players have come from different modes, different ways of thinking down to like, we had somebody here last night who um, came by and we used this technique uh, utilizing something called Himalayan singing bowls using um, a, a sound theory to actually help us sleep better. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a direct co correlation to the way that you sleep, to the way that you perform. So I just don't think that the, the, the mainstream way of thinking about things is, is there yet. I think we're moving that way. Mm -hmm. I think we have things like Bell Let's Talk that are great, that, that open up the door. And, you know, as, as we talked about, Tim, on our, on our phone call the, the other day, you know, there's so much correlation between life and golf and, you know, the, the element of it, of you getting better in your life. I know that when, when, I, when I first met Victor, there were elements in his life that we had to talk about. And until you can talk about those things and, you know, having the difficult conversations that you're willing to have, and until you do that, you know, you're, you're not ready to take that next step and people just have to open it up. Okay, Joe, just want to let everyone know, if you're just tuning in to TSN here, we're talking to uh, Joe Shuchat, who is uh, currently in a hotel room getting ready to caddy for Victor Perez uh, in the top 50 in the official golf world rankings. And we're talking about being mindful like we always do on this show. It's called Swing Thoughts because it's about thinking uh, about thinking about the mental side versus your actual swing. So uh, as we always try and do, you know, there's a lot of handicapped golfers listening 10 handies and eights and 15s maybe from your perspective in the final bit here joe what is the thing that you would have a, a higher handicap consider maybe that will help him or her improve i, I the, the the easiest thing is is really to find somebody who has worked from a mental conditioning a sports psychologist um, sort of element would be the easiest way, you know, whether it, whether it be Tim or, or, or somebody like that, you know. I don't know. Is there, it's only Tim. We're trying to only work with Tim. Although we have a lot of friends on this show, Doolin and Charles Fitzsimmons and so on. Oh, we want to share yeah. all of this. We want to share all of this. But just give us from a cat, like, and there is something about being a good caddy to yourself. Uh, right. And, and, 
having s- sort of my uh, my good friend Paul Henrik always talks about Howard one and Howard two, and sometimes you need to consult your caddy to to give it a little extra thought or maybe a different approach. Yeah, I think I think being being in the moment, staying present, and and acknowledging that you're going to have thoughts that you can improve. I think. You know, if you can stand in your pre-shot routine and you can say, I, I'm thinking about that water, you, you have to acknowledge that, in my opinion. You have to acknowledge the insecurity towards the shot. You know, every player, and I, I can tell you, I've talked to some of the best players in the world about it, there's shots that make them uncomfortable too. So so trying to fight it isn't the right way to do it. And And, you know, I would just say, that when you're in your pre-shot routine, stay as positive as possible. And when you catch yourself having a negative thought, reset your mind and, and reset your framework into into restarting your routine and, and getting back in the right state of mind to do that. I think I think that's probably the easiest way. I mean, there's different there's different tools that you know we've we've worked with players where you know I know for example we've we've done with players where you take ten take ten. Uh, ball markers and put them in your 10 T's for that matter and put them in your left pocket and every time you catch yourself having a negative thought take one T out of your left pocket and put it in your right pocket and see at the end of the round <laughs> if all 10 T's are in your right pocket that's awesome that's, that's great up. I'm going to need to get more T's <laughs> and ball yeah, markers yeah exactly I mean you'll have, you'll have a, a, you know shopping bag size size full on your right on your right pocket but you know just just little techniques is 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 as simple as that joe what about the um using your body to stay present uh my sense is that players i coach that your body's always in the present moment do you ever work with your players around that awareness so there's you know we we use the body for triggers um, you know, picking up on little things in, in your pre-shot. So, you know, we always say the 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 thing. You know, to give you a little story here, when when Victor little. when Victor won the Dunhill, you know, the, he he finished the round. He's huge on journaling. Victor writes everything down. He's got a journal. He writes it all down. And the first line after he won the Dunhill in his post-round write-up was "Breathe in to initiate." So it's not just. It's literally feeling the actual breath in deep into your stomach, deep into your diaphragm when you're actually doing the breath is 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 really important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, that's a simple trigger that you can use your body is that when you're when you're breathing, make sure that, you know, you actually are aware of your breathing patterns and, and how deep and things like that are, um, you know, and, and, you know, down to, you know, like I said, we, we use this this definitely it was our first time using this strange technique last night um using sound therapy and um you know victor said that he felt it in his you know the the parts of his body that that were a little bit tighter than they normally are so i think it's just just having the awareness of your body and understanding those sorts of things i think it's it's integral in in terms of playing good golf well i'll tell you what a uh, wonderful appearance and i hope it won't be the last time for joe shoot chat from the mindful sports group uh, I'm going to tell you. I, I, now I know. I listen. I don't want to get into your personal business, but you're caddying for Victor. Are you a set up with the five, seven, and ten, or are you going to just get a flat fee? I'm sure we'll figure it out. No, let's, yeah. Let's get, let's, 
let's focus let's focus on getting the 10 and and then we can we can you know fight over okay. it in the later <laughs> yeah because because i i just want to say because I, I don't know if a lot of people know that on the pga tour there's a, a system of payment a lot of the caddies get and i don't know if people realize if you get a if a lot of caddies if they get a win get 10 percent man that's no, some exactly. serious it's, cash it's, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll hold him to 10, 7 and a half, so, so we'll see. <laughs> All right, my friend. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. That was amazing, Joe. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Talk to you soon. Uh, what yeah, another another um, awesome guest here on Swing Thoughts. So we'll come back. It's just me and Coach Tim breaking things down. When we come back, we'll talk about the PGA Tour returning. Uh, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about what's been going on in the world and see if we can't make your golf game a little better, even this weekend. This is Swing Thoughts, the radio show and the podcast. A man is blowing Dixie, double fall time. You feel all right when you hear the music ring. As always, it's great to be here with you talking golf. A couple of golf nerds. Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. That's me, golf spiritual leader. I'm really only leading myself, along with Tim O'Connor. O'ConnorGolf.ca. What a gem you are. Blogs and coaching and webinars. You really become quite a mogul. It's It's quite something. Yeah, I'm just... Feel so such a sense of gratitude being in the presence of the GSL. Yeah, like if I was there, I'd touch the hem of your garment. You're the only one. Trust me. <laughs> uh, this program, as always, is baked fresh each and every week. Brought to you by our friends at Taylor Made Golf. Let me just say right now, the all new Sim and Sim Max drivers are out there. A lot of groups I've been in the last couple of weeks, people are using them. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the new Shape in Motion. That's what it stands for, the Shape in Motion family of TaylorMade products. TaylorMade.ca. Visit that. Learn about all sorts of stuff. Uh, Now things are starting to ramp up a little bit. Go get fit at some point. Get those drivers in your hand. Get the three wood, and I—I uh, I know this is going to make you jealous, but I uh, received that uh, magic hybrid. Oh, I got I it good uh, for you, but yeah, no. <laughs> I played an event yesterday, a senior event, a uh, little team competition, and I. You know, it's funny. Sometimes uh, golfers are superstitious, but you know, the first time you hit a club, you just hope that you hit it good so that it's got magic in it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I took it out of the bag. I literally warmed up a guy. You know, I was so excited. I went through my routine and all my stretching, warmed up, warmed up. And I could, so I wanted to get to hybrid, which is usually about 15 minutes in. Exactly. And, and the first time I hit it, it was just. It was it was beautiful, and I just looked down, and I went, you and I are going to be very, very good friends. I spoke Aww, to What it. a nice way to get off to a good start. Yeah, it was great. A uh, quick story about a nice start to a relationship with a hybrid. This is, gosh, maybe uh, 10, 12 years ago when I worked with a rival equipment company. Boo! And uh, so, yeah, I got a hybrid, and I got to the golf course. It was like a golf writer's event. So <laughs> I'm... I'm 
I literally just took it out of the box, took the plastic off of it, all that, threw it in the bag. First time I got to use it was on a par three on Scarborough's back nine. First swing with this thing, I knock it to 18 inches. (laughs) And when it closes to the hole, all that stuff, I said, yeah, I think we're going to be very happy together. (laughs) Me and my hybrid. They are friendly. They are great clubs. They're so friendly. You know, for the longest time, uh, the last two sets of tailor-made clubs I had, I didn't have a hybrid. I had three irons because, you know, I'm still in my 50s, and I thought I could hit a ball. Uh, And then... Because I, I play dangerous pride to dangerous things. Absolutely, and you know, I uh, the thing is, I play at a very windy golf course, and there's some par fours where, you know, down downwind or even into the wind, I'll just I would just hit three iron, and then I was kind of like, hi, Brand, I'm not ready for it, but I will tell you now, I uh, I wouldn't put a three iron back in my bag. I just love the way it feels, and this new one is ridiculous. In fact, the only problem I have with it is I'm not a hundred percent sure. How far it will go? I I get you, hundred percent. Like I don't know that number yet, and and I gotta figure it out. Uh, lots to unpack, as the kids like to say, from uh, Joe uh, Shoe Chat's uh, appearance in our first half hour. If you're a podcast listener, it just happened a couple minutes ago. You know, it's interesting. He he's quite a character, and uh, we got to get him back because it's interesting that, as I call it, the soft skills have really become part of the mainstream. Long before you were, you know, hatching the idea to be a mental performance coach, I know you've been investigating this area, as have I, and we were kind of, there weren't that many people reading Bob Rotella's book, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect, when I did in 1995. Same with you, you know, it's like, that really wasn't part of the conversation. But as Joe pointed out, behind the scenes, Tiger Woods, whether it was his mother's spirituality or his father's training with the uh, Green Berets, I mean, he was mentally tougher than everybody he ever played with. Absolutely. And so you think back to Rotella, um, he did. So his follow up to Game is Not a Perfect was golf is, is a game of confidence. And he also did an audio series. And he talked about his work with players like, oh, let's see, Davis Love the Third, yeah. Brad Faxon, um, top players on the LPGA Tour. These were here's a reason why they were top in the world because they had mastered or had huge, huge, hugely worked on their on the technical skills of the game, but also that mental side of the game. That's why they were able to execute at that top level at a consistent level. There's a lot of levels in that. I I, I, I just wish I could come up with a, a word or phrase that would reflect how much agreements I have for you and what you just said. <laughs> um, I, I can tell you recently, you know, I haven't really worked with uh, anybody mentally. You know, I talk to Doolin once in a while. I talk to you once in a while. Um, but I'm, I'm due for, I talked to Ed Collins. I haven't talked to anybody for a while, but I'm definitely due for a, a refresher because, you know, one of the things about maintaining your game is it's a holistic thing. Yes, I meditate. Yes, I do yoga. Yes, I've got a stretching program, whatever. But I can tell you from the first three weeks of this golf season, you know, I've had some nice scores. I've had some 
scores that are higher than those scores. And on the days where I'm feeling a little off kilter, it's not just my golf swing feels weird. I feel weird. Do you know what I mean? And I'm reckon because I'm so interested in this work, I recognize that I'm feeling weird at the time that it's happening. And, you know, experience has shown me that I, you know, you, you always, I call it, you know, I'm, I have to be ever vigilant because I can get from a state of calm to redlining pretty quickly if I don't put things in perspective. Well, one of the challenges is, is if we don't sort of keep the sword sharp, we're not at it a lot, we fall back into our old behaviors in all ways, physically and mentally. Because, you know, you've been, gosh, it's six decades now you've been around. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you've yes, got these ingrained ways of, of behaving that your whole life, and yes, you are enlightened, you are a golf spiritual leader now, but those ways of being in the world have got you through and in essence kept you safe in many ways they're still there and they don't serve us a lot of times so that so we're going to try and move forward and and counter them or oh yeah that old feeling or that old behavior's back but unless we keep doing the work and keep them kind of in front of us it's so easy to fall back into them particularly when on those days we maybe we're tired or we're kind of grumpy or we're our mind is preoccupied with something off the golf course. Very well spoken. Uh, the other night, I had about, um, I don't know, a good 45 minutes in sort of the middle, you know, three-quarter part of the round where I wasn't saying much. You know, I could kind of find myself, I, and I and I knew I was, and I'm not. It's funny because not nobody really was. It wasn't. We had. I was playing with all these guys. I'm pretty good friends with, and and it was a bit of a struggle for everyone. Everyone was kind of struggling. It was. Uh, I was walking, so I was maybe getting a little bit tired. I did. You know, it was good nutrition, good hydration, so that wasn't the issue. But I could just feel the group itself. You know, because people vibrate with each other, and I could sort of—I felt like, wow, this is interesting. Nobody's really saying much. We're all a bit pissed off at our games right now, and then somehow we all pushed through it. And the last quarter of the round was pretty pleasant, and we sort of lightened up a bit. And you know, I don't—I'm not here to say the play improved all that much, but you know, it didn't—it didn't get out of hand for me, at least. I could find myself—I had the awareness that. This is happening, and I don't seem to be enjoying this part of the uh, the round very much. And, you know, maybe I should remember that I'm out here doing the thing I love most in the world. Absolutely, yeah. But do you find yourself every once in a while falling back into, like, a way of thinking on the golf course? Uh, is kind of like an old pattern that you thought you'd kind of beat a oh, few yeah. years ago, and here you are. It's like, like name one. I don't know. I've kind of put you on the spot. Well, I can You know, I you know frustration. I, you know, I, I had uh, a whole season where I was basically decided that I hated putting and everything about it because I couldn't stop doing it. And I, yeah, I mean, I had a pretty scruffy round the other night on men's night. I had a lot of three putts, and so at one point I was going to start to complain about the speed of the greens, and I sort of caught myself. I went, no, mm. you know, I, I actually caught myself, and I said, you know, to be fair. How weird. You know, I really haven't spent a lot of time 
because of the social distancing and the rules and restrictions around golf courses, whereby now I would have spent many, 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 many days just going and putting, just going and working on my short game and my routine. So I sort of said to myself, you know what, buddy? You know, after my fourth three putt, I went, it's, you're fine. You know, I, I need to get back to some basics. I really haven't practiced mechanics. So, but I could tell I was, like I said, I could have, I had a couple moments there where I was like, I could redline here if you wanted to, but I, I just, <laughs> didn't, I didn't really have the energy. Well, that's a great example of awareness is that you caught yourself thinking about it and then you went kind of, and so rather than reacting of redlining, like you say, which could be any kind of horrible thing. <laughs> yes. Many horrible things. Could be helicoptering, could be splashing, but instead you respond and you went, oh, wait a sec. And you sort of from a, a more of a place of neutral, you were able to kind of catch yourself and go, oh, wait a sec. What did I learn from this? Oh, I haven't practiced as much. Ah, when I practice more, I'll get better, you know. But uh, even, even me, yes. Even Coach Tim. <laughs> even Coach Tim. So my old thing was I would fall into this this kind of trance that some technical thing would transport me to a new level of mastery. <laughs> and so I've been I've been working with Mike Marks, who's a friend of show, a top level golf instructor, uh, for a while. He introduced this this kind of thing of focusing on rotation of my torso but anyways what i started to fix it on was swing plane and so i woke up about three in the morning one time this week and i started checking out roy mcelroy videos on instagram and i'm going oh that's what i need to do just focus on shoulders dude i couldn't get back to sleep <laughs> I was, so, I was so picturing myself focusing on shoulders. Yeah, don't use your arms for the takeaway. Use your shoulders. And, of course, I wake up at 5 in the morning. What's the first thing I do? Grab my wedge. Yeah, of course. I'm only laughing, by the way, because I'd love my girlfriend to hear this. There's another grown man around my age who is literally doing what I do. I said to her once recently, I said, if you're ever wondering what I'm thinking about, just know golf. I'm always thinking about I've done the same thing. I watched McElroy swing, funnily enough, this week because I'm working on something. I'm like, I wonder if Rory does it in his exact swing. So what? It, so what is the net of all this? The net of this is is so is catching ourselves again. We add infinite, and we talk about it. Joe talked about it. Is that what are you thinking about? Yes. And are you aware that you're actually thinking? Because he didn't talk about this as much because there wasn't as much time, but. I come back to this. Golf is a physical game. We play the game as athletes. We use our bodies. We use what's real. The club is real. The ball is real. The ground is real. All of this. Our thoughts are not real. But we get immersed in this thinking, and that's who we think we are. We're caught in our stories. We're caught in looking for this because we're all looking for some sense of comfort and solutions and get us out of fear, whereas the problem is usually just our thinking. Mm -hmm. And when we're unaware that we're in this mode of thinking, unaware that, you know, I'm, I'm getting angry at my putting and this putter could, could go flying <laughs> or I'm going to find Nirvana in some technical thing, like swing my shoulders. Yeah. But when we're aware of it, we can go to, Oh, wait a sec. That's hmm. that didn't work in the past. Doesn't work now. Yeah. Well, but it, it is definitely an, it's intoxicating. 100%. And it's very attractive to think that I'm only one 
magic move or one piece of information or one practice session away from finally figuring it out. Because, you know, I will tell you, I've played maybe, I don't think I've even played 10 rounds. It's the 5th of June when we're recording this. Uh, It's going to run on the 6th of June on a, a radio station, TSN 1150. I will have only played one or two semi-tournament rounds. So I'm really not... My expectations aren't commiserate with how much I've played. But my my mind thinks, well, it's June. I should be firing on all cylinders. I'm not. I've had uh, rounds of 72 followed by 82. I had a round of 73 followed by 83. I haven't had a whole lot in the middle. I have a few 75s and 6s, but... You know, the other night I shot 82, but in my body it felt like I was shooting 92. And when I was yeah. on my way home, I'm like, buddy, just really relax, dude. Like, yeah. give yourself a break. And I went out and I had a senior tournament yesterday. And, you know, yeah, I hit the ball better and I putted better, blah, blah, blah. But I still hit some horrible shots, like horrible, that were all about thinking, not doing. They were all me trying to remember this thing I'm working on, the plane of my swing, bull crap. And it's like, it's quite overwhelming. You know, I'm a pretty sensitive person, and, and I sense a lot in the game of golf. And it's one of the things that attracted me to you and our discussions because, you know, that's what it's all about, wiping that clean to just play with your body. Yeah, and it, uh, both of us have, uh, d- love the work of uh, Fred Shoemaker. We've been fortunate enough to been coached privately by him. I've gone to his workshops. And what always, Fred comes back to all the time is that the way we improve in this game is through awareness. And it's not through use of language. It's not through thinking of a concept of, you know, turn my left shoulder or slow my swing down. The body works from awareness and, and words can't capture it. These are just things that your body gets and it feels. And I had this thing last night where I was just chipping. I was suddenly aware that my hips were just rotating a little bit. And that was enough to have nice momentum to my swing. And I hit them all solidly, not mm-hmm. from words, yeah. not from thinking, Oh, I have to do this or that. But our ego so wants to be in control. And our, our ego consciousness is it's it's basically there to keep us alive so it's fear-based it's about survival so it's always looking for oh here's the thing that's going to solve this everything's going to get better when you do this <laughs> and it's never that you know i don't know about you but like a lot of guys uh, if i get something new a gadget or uh, you know uh, i have to unpack some ikea stuff I, I never read the instructions so why is it that i'm so interested in the instructions of golf it's like seriously. It's like it's like a lot of golfers. We want this list of things to do to make us better. Now and make us feel better. Make us feel better. That's not to say, you know, Shoemaker on this call a few weeks ago that we were on talked about. We were talking about practice, and he's saying basically there are five fundamentals, much like the fundamentals of golf, uh, the famous Ben Hogan book. But there are basic tenets of the game. The same way in tennis, there's a you know, a place to stand to receive the serve and a technique around all that stuff. But the difference between our game and others is what, when you're playing those other games, you're really in a kind of mode of play and react. As we all know, golf gives us so much time to deconstruct what's just happened, come up with a story, and construct 
what's going to happen. And uh, it can be debilitating. It is for me at times. That's a key piece right there you talked about is we create a narrative. I've done a lot of reading about the subconscious. And so much of what we try and do in our lives is make order from chaos we need to explain it you'll find it in, you know in my own life someone says well why'd you make this move in your career well this this and this you create a story well you know what may i don't really actually i can't put my finger on exactly why i did that because a lot of stuff i'm just making up i'm making up a story because because i need to my conscious mind wants to figure this stuff out and just create something oh that's why because it makes me feel comfortable it makes me feel safe same thing happens in golf, in between golf shots. Something happens, there's some chaos, and I'm going to create this storyline and go, oh, so on my next shot, I'm going to swing rhythmically, and that way I'll hit it solid. And you don't hit it solid, and just go, you look for a new story. Yeah. <laughs> and on and on and on. Um, I have a friend who is uh, he's my better ball partner, uh, senior better ball, not junior. Junior is Dr. Charles. But my buddy Tim Southcott, I brought him up on the show a couple times. We played the oh, other yeah. night, and, and he's he and I go back and forth. We've had three rounds together so far, and we're basically dead even. I won one, we tied one, he won one. But one of the things that is interesting about Tim is Tim's not a technical guy. Tim uh, finished second in the Ontario Senior Am a couple years ago. And if you saw him swing, you'd be like, yeah, that guy's, he's like, okay. Doesn't hit it a ton, hits it very straight. One of the best short games, best pitcher of the ball I've ever met. But one of the things that's unique about Tim is the way he describes golf shots. And they're all very visceral. He's, we always make fun of the way he says, well, I'm just going to hit a little low skipper with a one-hop boopity-boop, right? Uh-huh. And, and it, it's fun to mock, but what it is is he is verbalizing a visceral feeling. And he, he never talks about, you know, his technique, although he's working with a good coach, Nick Turquillo. But right. when he's playing, he describes shots in a very visceral way. And I would invite other people to do that because, you know, like the more the, the more specific you can be about, like I'll say I want to cut it, I'm going to hit it off that bunker, I'm going to just skip, I'm just going to soft draw into the pin. Like I say that, but not in the way that he does. It's very... He, and he has a way of making it real for him in such a non-technical way that that would be my little takeaway for people. The better you can describe the shot you're going to hit, or at least try, the more, to bring it back to you, the more your body will respond. Yeah, I think what they, what, that's cool stuff. And the, I think the key thing there is that you use the word visceral, which is the feeling in your body. So I think what Tim Southcott's doing, he's not coming up with this mechanical concept, uh, uh, intellectualized it. He's just kind of describing what he's feeling in his body. And also what I gleaned out of that was he's also got external focus going. He's Always. got this feeling, but it's like it's going to do this towards the target. That's right. And that external target stuff, I mean, if Folks, if you go, want to go back to in our archives and listen to the Gabriel Wolf show, wow, that's so much gold in that. You know, and again, uh, when we're partners, it's great. He and I are playing in a team event this weekend. He is a great green reader because he so feels things viscerally. But even the way he describes a putt, 
You know, you've got to take it up this hill and let gravity and momentum. And he talks about he talks about it in a way. And, and I'm, you know, I'll be honest, like it's like I've had this revelation about him recently. It's like that's the true artistry of golf. And even though maybe technically uh, he has his own unique way of of swinging, but but very much in an artistic way, a very creative way, which is why he reads greens so well. It's why he is such a good pitcher of the ball, because he's not thinking about his technique. He's literally thinking out loud, sometimes funnily, that he's going to hit it up and boop it up on the skippity-doo. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That's awesome. I just had a thought. We need to get Joe Shuchat back on the show, maybe even soon, and ask him, because he's catting for the 40th ranked player in the world yes. for the next few weeks. How does he, when he's when, when Victor Perez is asking for assistance in a read or something, what's the language that they're using? Yeah. It'll be very interesting. And I bet you, and I, I don't know this, but I would bet that caddies talk the way Tim Southcott talks to their players about about shots. Now, of course, you may have players who are more intellectual. No, I get it. But but uh, my sense is it's more physical. Let's get them back uh, sooner than later. And I can tell you, you know, whenever I have hit a, a poor shot recently, I can tell you that I'm not, I'm not in the flow. They're all shots produced by overthinking about this thing I'm working on. And it's like, there's just, you know, my buddy Paul Henrik says it too. You know, you can't play the game and think about how to swing at the same time. It's just the death of golf. Okay. Listen, uh, we hope this has been a pleasant diversion for everyone during these uh, most unusual times. Uh, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. What a beautiful uh, human. And uh, the Humble and Fred show continues at HumbleandFredRadio.com. We'll see you next week. It's raining in the meantime. Of course, as always, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf, TaylorMade.ca. Everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double ball time.